We are in this series called Church in the Wild. We're jumping into week three today. And uh, if you missed any of it, you would see that um, we kind of rolled it out by saying this, you know, we're in the wild. Like, it's crazy times. You know, we live in the wild. Uh, but what we believe is that doesn't mean we drew the short end of the stick, right? It means, you know, like, hey, we get to be a part of what God is doing in this hour. Yeah. Uh, we've been saying all along, we believe that if this is the end times, the scripture promises us that in these last days, God's going to pour himself out. He's going to empty himself upon the earth. There's like no holding back. And so if we get to be a part of that movement, what a wild and amazing thing we get to be a part of. Amen. And uh, so the first week we talked about wild power and just we believe that God moves in power, but God also desires to, to see us pursue him and desire him and then for him to be active and powerful in our life. And then last week uh, was kind of a crazy week. We actually spent the whole Sunday. I know most churches don't do that these days. Uh, we spent the whole Sunday preaching on sin and the consequences and how sin downgrades our life. But then we not, didn't just take it from there. We took it one step further and we had a time of repentance where we saw in scripture where God says that, hey, if you'll come to me, if you'll confess, if you'll you know repent of these things that God gets to come in and be a refresher in our life. He gets to refresh us. And so amazing time that we had last week as well. And uh, today I was going to preach on a sermon that I had entitled called Wildfire. And I was going to talk about the fire of God and what the scripture says about that. And uh, I was really excited about it. As a matter of fact, I was telling the team, I said, you know, if you actually had a 40 year old sort of birthday sermon, a desire that I would have in my life for my church my family, my kids, my cat, it would be that they have the fire of God. That would be my desire, okay? And, uh, and so I said, I was going to, you know, really preach that. And, and then yesterday, I started to feel discontent about it a little bit. I said, I don't know. I was telling Jess, I, might, I, I don't know. God might be doing something different. And, um, and so I was kind of just waiting on it. And for a minute, I was like, I might just be discontent and crabby because the weather was annoying. And I was just chalking it up to, but the Lord just really kind of worked on me. And then by this morning, uh, I was settled on preaching something something different. Today I'm going to talk on wild warfare, and I believe God just really said it to me this way, that before we can talk about the fire, we got to talk about the fight. And so today we're going to talk about the fight, and then next week we'll talk about the fire. So excited to jump into it, but before we do, uh, let's pray, and we'll get right into it. So God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and your ways, the ways that you love us and lead us. God is so good. And God, I pray that um, we experience your goodness this morning, even in these um, wilder topics, the, these bigger thoughts. God, I, I pray that you reveal yourself to us um, in ways that we've never seen. And so Holy Spirit, help me to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you're newer with us today and you've been coming uh, either today or the last couple of weeks and you're thinking, okay, this might not be our church, you know, like wild power, sin, you know, like uh, some of these big topics. But I just want to let you know, you know, there was warnings given to us about the last days. You know, it was like, hey, be, be watchful, be, be on lookout because there's going to come a time in a season in church where pastors just say the cute things and tickle the ear. And, and it was saying, don't be a part of those. You want to be the places where you get absolute truth and places that convict you and change us and make us into the way God called us to. It'd be easy for me to get up here and tell you, God loves you, wants you to have white picket fences and Lamborghinis. Like those are easy. But the full truth, the full truth is what God has called us to. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking, you know, my, my first week I rolled out talking about we're in the wild. And if we're talking about warfare, specifically, I'm talking about, I believe that there's such a thing as spiritual warfare. As a matter of fact, much of what you face in your life, you don't even actually see. 
There's so much. If we could peel back the, the, the unseen realm and see all the battle that's taken place. I believe, you know, we've been taught good versus evil, but I believe there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And I believe that there is warfare, and I'll begin to show you some of it, uh, that happens in these realms. Much of what you experience in your life, you don't even see. And we can see it in our times. I mean, I've given this example before. I, you know, th- there's a difference between somebody who makes bad decisions and somebody who walks in pure evil. Yeah. I could take articles from just this week and say, oh, look what happened over here. And you wouldn't be like, oh, that guy's just a bad guy. You would be like, that right there is pure evil. Yeah. It's that kingdom of darkness operating yeah. in people's lives and behind their scenes. And uh, you've ever heard maybe even people say, uh, and, and I'm not trying to get too intense, but you've heard people say uh, maybe they've uh, murdered somebody or they've you know kind of snapped and stabbed people. Or whatever. Many times you read those police reports and, and they say, yeah, this person said, someone told me to go do that. Someone took over in this brief moment. They heard voices, all this. It's because the kingdom of darkness is real. Can I get an amen? And it's not hiding anymore. It's not hiding anymore. I remember I grew up in MTV generation and MTV, that's where Satan lived. Like, oh, don't let your kids watch MTV. And that's where Satan lives. And so I watched it and I didn't find him. No, I'm just kidding. Because he's actually on CBS. He was on the Grammys just a couple weeks ago. Uh, he was on the Grammys. As much as I'm joking about this, it's not even hidden anymore. Pre this show, Sam Smith, this artist, said, uh, let's get ready to worship. Use the words worship to go do this here. And so a demonic presentation was made. This wasn't artistry. This was demonic force on display. Uh, we saw that. We also, I shared with you a couple weeks ago, that right here in America, the largest Satan con is being held in Boston, and it's sold out quickly in Boston. And why? It's because it's just not even being hidden anymore. The enemy is on a full-on attack. Why is he on a full-on attack? Because he knows the finish line is coming. Yeah. And, and, and we believe that, too. As a matter of fact, people say, oh, pastor, you're being so exaggerated about all this kind of stuff. This isn't that kind of a big deal. You're just overreacting. Let me tell you something that they're bringing to Satan con. This right here is being taken. This right here exists in the conversion room at the Satanic uh, Temple in Salem, Massachusetts. So when pastors and others get up there and say that the enemy is after your kids, they ain't even hiding it. This is in the conversion room where they... They're trying to get them there, but they're also trying to get them before they even make it to planet Earth. They're trying to get the kids in their womb. They're trying to get them. And so what I'm here to say is we as a church, if we're going to have any effectiveness, if you as a believer are going to have any kind of impact and influence for the kingdom of light, you must understand that we are in wild warfare. There are so many more things happening than coming to church and singing two songs and hearing a sermon with a poem. We've got to be a people who understand we're in a fight. Uh, I was gonna um, I was gonna lay it out to you this way. Paul, the Apostle Paul, we know he wrote one third of the New Testament. So Paul, you know, he's he's sort of the goat, if you will, of of the New Testament. He gives us one third uh, of all that we read. Now Paul would have been able to connect with us if you brought Paul here and he would have begun to teach. We would have been his people because he spoke to church plants. We are a church plant, you know, coming up on celebrating our 10th year. And so he would have been able to come right in and be like, yeah, those are my people, church planters who come in and and they're a new work and a new move of God. And so he gives all of these letters and instructions to these new churches. And Paul gives us this warning. It's more than just a a nice talk. It wasn't like Paul was like, hey, I need to write something that's going to get clicks and headlines. Um, And certainly 2000 years from now, kids ministry is going to need some object lessons. So I'm going to write this passage that gives them illustration. No, no. He was like, this is a warning. 
And like, I'm giving this to you as a warning because you're going to need this in the hours that you're going to live in, especially if we're believing this is the end times. Now you might say, well, Paul, Paul didn't ever face what we had to face. There was not anything like that in Paul's day. You're right. It was worse. The persecution of Christians was way worse than what we even see. Like I'm showing you articles of Satan con and everybody's going, oh, get that off the screen. But he was over here watching Nero's light up his backyard hangouts with Christians burned at stakes. That's literally how they drew their light to light up their backyards at their parties. So this guy knows a whole bunch about persecution and spiritual warfare. And he gives us this in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. He says, finally... Be strong in yourself. Be strong, guys. Now, that, 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 this isn't one of those kind of speeches. You're strong enough. You're good enough. And gosh darn it, you're cute enough. You know, like, this is not, I messed that up. I know it goes different than that, I think, but that was my version. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I wish I could stand for you as the pastor, but I can't stand for you. I wish your parents could stand for you, teenagers, but they can't stand for you. It says, take your stand against the schemes of the enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, it's against authorities, against the powers of this dark world. It's against spiritual forces and heavenly realms. It is not against Democrats and Republicans. It's not against people. It's against the thing that is leading the people. It's the deceptions that they're in. It's the falsehoods that they've believed. It's these spiritual forces in operations in these categories. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, because it comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is a defense strategy, a spiritual defense strategy. You can break this down. We have other teachings online uh, that you could look at on what is we call the armor of God is what he just laid out for us. The ability for us to protect ourselves in this spiritual battle is found there. But specifically today, we're going to talk about the spiritual battle. I used this example to you before. If I were to say, hey, 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 emergency meeting, you got to come to my office. You've been targeted. I just found out that the worst enemy ever has just targeted your family and it hates you and it's going to kill you and destroy you. As a matter of fact, this group has killed and stealed and destroyed from more families than any human in history. They've targeted you. They're after your family. If we had that meeting, I imagine that you would immediately go home and try to secure and sure up some things about your life, wouldn't you? Isn't it interesting that we come into church and we hear things about the enemy and all those things and and then we're just like, ah, good sermon, pastor. We don't take the necessary things to secure and sure up. We've got to do more than just hear a sermon about spiritual warfare. We've got to hear these things and say, okay, God, what do I need to do? How do I need to enact these things into my life so that I can stand against these schemes? That's why Hosea, I'm going to paraphrase, Hosea 4, 6 says this, for my people are destroyed from their lack of knowledge. They're taken out because they just hear these things. But they don't use those things, make them knowledge, make them wisdom, and go apply them in their life. And so they're taken out. I mean, you know what I'm talking about today. 
He's well, pastor, I don't believe in spiritual warfare. I don't believe in all that nonsense. I don't believe in that. It would be like you saying, I don't believe in gravity. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I can't see it, so I don't believe in it. I mean, you know, that'd be a pretty hard crash if you jumped off a building. Can I tell you the same thing is going to happen someday when you face eternity? You can go through your whole life and say, I didn't believe in all that spiritual mumble jumbo. He talked about good versus evil. There's going to come a time where you stand before the Lord. And I hope that you understood spiritual warfare enough to know that you need to surrender your life to a Lord and Savior. Scripture says it like this. Scripture says that life, your life, everything we do, friends, bank accounts, relations, everything that we do, this life, the Scripture says is just but a vapor. Gone here a minute, just... So it'd be like a boiled pot. You're boiling some water and it's steam, and you take the lid off that pot and that steam comes up and then it's gone. That's all this life is. But eternity is eternity. So all the decisions the enemy's trying to get you all to deal with here in life and all this stuff that you try to keep up with and do all this kind of stuff, it's just a vapor. But eternity is eternity. We need to know something about spiritual warfare because it matters. Can I get an amen today? And one more thing before we jump into spiritual warfare, it's one of the things that kind of gets on my nerves as a pastor is this. Everybody blames the devil for everything. Oh, the devil's after my finances. I'm under spiritual attack. He's just after my finances. I'm like, no, you got Starbucks for $16 every day this month. You attacked your finances. Well, my relationships, he's just attacking my relationship and my dating life again. No, you got in another unequally yoked relationship. You did that. The devil didn't do that. Well, my kids, they don't love the Lord. They didn't grow up to follow God. And I, well, that's because you only came to church when it was good weather. I can I tell the truth? Sometimes it's by our own hand, but many times it's the spiritual attack on our life. Can I get an amen today? It shouldn't be so hard to pray. It's, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to pray. There's actually not much rules to it. God wants our heart. He wants us to express. That's pretty easy. We talk all day long. It shouldn't be that hard to pray. But why is it that your best sleep aid you have in your house is your prayer life? Tonight. All right. Tonight I'm going to pray. It's right to sleep. <laughs> and I'm just kidding around. But, but why is it that it's so hard to pray? Because all of a sudden when you say, this is the year I'm going to pray. This is the year that every single day I'm praying for my kids. I'm praying for my community. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to God's throne and I'm going to pray. Then the, right, then the enemy goes, oh, hold on a second. His radar go, goes off and says, oh, hold on one second. We need to put some spiritual attack on them because I can't be having them praying. Yeah. How, how come it is when we decide to get generous? This year is going to be the year that I put God first in my giving. And this year I'm going to be generous. And I'm going to meet the need because we all have a great desire to see God bless or God, people blessed. Yeah. We love extreme makeover. Move that bus. We want to see people take it. We just don't like it when it's our money. Our heart wants to do it, but our hand doesn't want, you know, but, but it's in our heart to do it. Why? Because spiritual attack comes in and says, oh, no, 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 no. I can't let them start being generous and putting God first because God then promises he makes a covenant with their money and he's going to open the windows of heaven. How many you know what I'm talking about? Spiritual attack begins to happen when we try to fulfill and walk in these promises. It's the same thing with worship. We come into a room like this and scripture talks about how we have authority in our words and the ability to intercede. And of course, our hearts want to come back and express gratitude to God who saved us and, and delivered us and sustains us. All, of course, we want to do that. But then all of a sudden when we come in here, we're like, has that light always been there? Is that, we're just looking. Because the enemy is trying to put spiritual attack on the power of our worship. How many know what I'm talking about? Spiritual attack, it's a real thing. And so if, if we know about it, if up to this point I've now convinced you that it's a thing, then we need to know how to respond to it. 
So I brought four points with me today. I got four things for you to help us identify spiritual attack and know what to do in it and with it. Think about this, Daniel. The scripture talks about in Daniel chapter 10. This is insane. At the beginning of creation, this is a sermon I got coming up for you in a couple weeks, but uh, in the beginning, God sets in all these categories of angels. One of the categories of angels uh, is a team of angels who respond to our prayers. We see it in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel's praying. We see that Michael, this angel, moves in response to Daniel's prayer. So he's on his way to moving in response to Daniel's prayer. But the scripture says along the way, he gets in a fight with the kingdom of darkness. Again, peel back the layers. If we could ever see what's going on around us right now, there's spiritual warfare happening over our kids, our schools, our politics, everything. Scripture literally teaches that this angel then had to have this battle for a delayed time, then shows up on behalf. I'm telling you, spiritual warfare is a thing in scripture and it's a thing in our life. Are you with me? With that being said, it brings us to point number one, which is this. Spiritual attack must be expected. If we know spiritual attack is real, then we must know that spiritual attack uh, is to be expected. Uh, I thought about it like this. Uh, The reason we come under spiritual attack is because we have value. You don't hunt what doesn't have value. How many of you know everybody's not like hunters aren't getting their license and saying, it's opening roadkill day. I've had my eyes on some that have been laying on the side of the road. We're going to go get them babies. Now, I know Cody, you from Virginia, you guys do that. But, but in Michigan, that's not how it works. We don't, we don't do that up here. But, but uh, why, why doesn't that happen? Because it has no value. You don't hunt what has no value. So the enemy all of a sudden goes, oh, God's people. Oh, they're going to church. Oh, they're praying, they're worshiping, they're giving. Oh, they're, they're believing God's promises over their life. Let's get on the attack. Let's move over there. We, we, we got to get on the attack because why? Because he hunts what has value. I thought about Jesus' life many times. In scripture, you see this example on Jesus' life. We know before he entered into the launch of his ministry, Three and a half years of amazing ministry, signs, wonders, miraculous. But before that, he went into the wilderness and he endured what? Spiritual attack. Scripture says that Satan was there and was tempting him and taunting him and trying to attack him under spiritual attack. Why? Because something valuable, Jesus' ministry, was on the way. Anytime, because you all have value, created on purpose for a purpose. Every person in this room has great value, and the enemy wants to attack you, especially as you begin to move out and pursue that. We see that in Jesus' life as he continues on. Now, before he's about to go to the cross, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the scripture says that there's such intense spiritual warfare. He's saying to his buddies, will you please stay up and pray with me? And they were the same thing I just mentioned a minute ago. Their best sleep aid was their prayer life too, and they fell asleep on him. And so he's saying, well, hey, I'm in this intense, scripture says that he wasn't just sweating because of the intensity of the spiritual attack. He was sweating blood before he goes to the cross. Why? Because his purpose, the cross had so much power and value to it that the spiritual attack become in his life. I wrote it down like this. The level of the attack often exposes the level of your ability. Why are we under so much attack right now? Because God's got something coming that has such great ability to do damage to the, to the enemy that he's going to... Are you with me? The NCAA tournament, uh, they, they like that one. By the way, shout out to these guys. Listen, uh, this is a Schistler family. Uh, they have four babies in their hands right now, all born at the same time. And Anyway, they're just our heroes and amazing. 
Four, four right? All at the same time. And they're still here today on a snowy day. So before you all leave, just drop cash at their feet. There's <laughs> hundreds. And, uh, so I'll take those noises all day long. Okay, where were we? So I watched the tournament. You watched the college tournament. And everybody says, Charles Barkley, tell us what the keys to today's game are. And he says, well, here's what you need to do. You need to find this team's most valuable player. That's what they say. Oh, hey, what are you going to have to do? If you want to win today's game, you need to find their most valuable player, and you need to get them out of the game. you got to make sure that you contain them. You can't let them have an effective game. You've got to find the most valuable one, and you've got to contain it. Why do you think right now in culture the enemy's like, oh, we just need to take that church, and we've got to find a way to contain it? I wish those Christians would stop voting. I wish those Christians would stop. Are you with me today? I wish they'd stop praying. I wish they'd stop. If we can just contain them, neutralize them, then we'll be able to win the game. Why? Because if you can, if you can take out what's valuable, and that's, what, that's what's happening here is he goes after us because we have great value. He's threatened by our potential. Why do you think Gen Z is so under attack? Gen Z is a generation born 1997 to 2013. Everybody says, ah, Gen Z, the worst generation. I can't, they're raised by TikTok and cell phones and they're useless and and they're they're this and that. And so we just talk about this. Why do you think the enemies attack them so hard? Because they could be our grand finale generation. They could be the generation that everybody wrote off. Everybody said, oh, they got no purpose. They're raised by cell phones. They don't know how to interact. They don't know how to communicate. And God can say, oh, I can take what the enemy meant for evil and use them to be revival. Think about this. Think about this. That generation right now, the enemy has said that generation has such value. Gen Z has such value. The enemy said, you know what I need to do? I need to make sure I paralyze them. How is he paralyzing them? Their suicide rates are the highest out of anybody ever. How else does he paralyze them? They're, they're the most subscribed independent of medication. And I'm not against all that kind of stuff, but I'm just saying he's worked very strategically to numb and paralyze a generation. He's also legalized marijuana for them, which what? Takes away the sobriety of your mind. It's as I mentioned with basketball, if I can just contain them, if I can just paralyze them, if I can just numb them and leave them over here, I can take them out. You understand what I'm talking about? That's why the scripture says, hey, 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 uh, in this, you got to be sober minded and watch out that the devil is on the prowl. So if the enemy says that generation has the most value, they're the grand finale of God's kingdom. I'm going to argue with me. So if you're in here or you're watching online and you're of that Gen Z and you hear all the stats and you hear people say like, oh, your generation's of no good. And and you feel that pressure to just numb out and do nothing and go with this. I'm here to tell you, you're God's grand finale generation. And don't believe that stuff that they're trying to tell you. Or if you're no value and you're of no good, and it doesn't matter if you're here. I'm here to tell you, if you can understand the spiritual attack and say, no, 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 I'm going to push all this stuff. I'm not going to let the lies of this enemy come out. God can light that fuse of this grand finale. Are you with me? We're a church who believes that we're going to see that in that generation. You have high value, great potential. That's why the enemy is after you. Number two, spiritual attack must be exposed. It's one thing to say this. It's one thing to go, oh, yeah, the boy, that spiritual attack, that, that's like a real thing. And, and, and we understand that. But then you have to take the next step. You can't just go, oh, look at it. It's all out there. We got to go, OK, now we need to do something about this. Jesus gave us this example. We see that spiritual attack was happening over Peter. He was caught in this confusion of spiritual attack. We see where Jesus is saying, hey, he's like, 
I'm going to the cross and, and I'm going on your behalf and, 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 and uh, I'm going to have to die and, and all the sins of mankind. I'm doing all this. And you guys remember, Peter goes, not on my watch. He stands up. He says, I'm going to make sure, Lord, that that doesn't happen. And Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. He says it to Peter, get behind. But what was he addressing? He was addressing the spiritual attack that was trying to happen in Peter. He didn't call out Peter. He said Satan behind it. Can I tell you something again about this Gen Z? That's what the enemy's trying to do right now. We, we have to be a people who expose the lie of the enemy and the spiritual attack instead of attacking the person. So many people all the time, they say, oh, that millennial generation, they're the worst. That Gen Z generation, they're messing everything up. Listen, if we're not careful, we are facing, we have the opportunity for the greatest harvest of all of eternity. But what the enemy is doing right now is trying to get us to hate the harvest. Look at those people over there. I can't stand that group. Look at what they're doing over there. Oh, look at that people group over there. We hate that. That's our harvest. That's our mission field. That's our opportunity. And if all we do is see them as this group and that group and this agenda, and we begin to hate them as a people, instead of exposing the spiritual attack, we're going to miss the greatest harvest we've ever had the opportunity for. Are you with me? And so Jesus gives this example. Hey, it's not you, Peter. It's the spiritual attack is the thing that's trying to operate in you. Here's some clues that spiritual attack is heightened or is really heavy or high in your life. Have you ever just been going through life? Things seem to be good and all of a sudden you fall into a season of like extreme confusion. Why am I in such a fog? Why am I? It just happened to me this week. I turned 40 every day. I'm like, what? <laughs> but, but, but joking aside, like you're just like, why can't I get out of this? Why am I so confused about everything? Why am I so messed with in my mind when it comes to this kind of stuff? Because the reason you know it's spiritual attack on your life or kingdom of darkness trying to make its way on your life is because the scripture says that God is the God of order. Yeah. And so we should, we should see order. The scripture says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. So if there's this confusion, this fog, this thing, you got to say, right now I'm exposing this. Yeah. I pray against this confusion. The scripture says that the enemy is the author of confusion. Yeah. I'm not going to have this in my life. And you pray back that attack. We have to address it. Think about what the scripture says about <laughs> Genesis. What did the snake come in and do? Has God really said his yeah. spiritual attack was introducing confusion right. and questioning? That's one of the ways that you can tell. Uh, another one that you can tell is lack of peace. Life's going good. you got all this stuff going on in your life. You have no reason to have fear and anxiety and all these things popping up. But for whatever reason, now all of a sudden you just find yourself. There's great fear about your future, great fear about decisions that you're making or anxieties that are happening. You read the news or you look at different things and all of a sudden great fear is overtaking you. Well, what is that? That's the spiritual darkness trying to make a place in your life. Well, the scripture says that Jesus, God is our what? Prince of peace. We should have the fruit and the effect of that in our life. And so we say, hey, the spiritual attack, I'm exposing it. And you just call uh, confusion and anxiety and fear. You call those things out of your life. Another one is a desire to quit. You can tell spiritual attack is on your life when all of a sudden you just want to give up on everything. You're serving in your church. You were once excited about it, passionate to see people's lives change. Now all of a sudden the enemy's just coming in and he's going, why are you even doing that? It's not making a difference. Same thing in your prayer life. Is this year is going to be the year that we pray and we read through the Bible in a year. We do all these kinds of things. Halfway into it, all of a sudden you just, you lost the desire. You just want to quit on it. Scripture says those that are faithful in the little, God gives more. We also know that scripture says it's impossible to please God without faith. 
sticking to something, seeing things through. So if you got the desire to quit on all these things, it's probably because there's spiritual attack in your life. Am I making sense? Temptation is another one. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're just tempted. We saw in the wilderness, Jesus, when he was under spiritual attack, 40 days, he's fasting. He's out in the wilderness. What does Satan do? He goes up to him and he says, hey, uh, see that stone over there? I'm going to tempt you. See that stone over there? Would you like me to make that into bread? Notice he didn't come up to him and say, hey, Jesus, I know you're super hungry. See that stone over there? I'll make you a really nice kale salad. (laughs) He was like, you want some bread? (laughs) I got some bread for you. What did he do? He... His spiritual attack in that moment was temptation. So I'm tempting you into something. It happens to us many times. You can be, I believe, under spiritual attack to be tempted to maybe even take a position at church or at your work. It's like, oh, hey, what about this? That looks really good. You know, I might take that, but it takes you away from family or it takes you away from church or it takes you away from things. Temptation uh, is a big deal. Another one that I see a lot of times in religion is the temptation to only just look back at the old days. Well, I just wish it was like that. You know, when it used to be like that, well, God's doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? It's springing up. Well, but I wish it was like this. So this temptation to look for the glory days, the old days. So that's one. And then point number three is this. We must know our enemy. We must know our enemy. You know that there's no boxer that would take a mystery fight. So you get these boxers who say, hey, by the way, we want to put you on a card and you're going to fight somebody you don't know until you get in there. They'd be like, never do it. Why? Because they want to have the time to be able to study and understand their opponent. As a matter of fact, if you were to watch a boxing match, they would put up what they call the tail of the tape. And they would put up both the boxers and they would say, this is their height and this is their weight and this is their span and this is all. The, and they put up all of the details about the opponent. Why? Because if you're going to be successful against your enemy, you need to know how to be able to attack the enemy that you're facing. Are you with me today? It's the same thing with the enemy. we got to say, hey, what are his characteristics? What are the ways that he tries to throw punches? What are the ways that he's going to try to take me out? We need to understand our enemy. Uh, I wrote it down like this. One of the ways you can tell that the enemy has effect in your life is there a lot of destruction. It's a characteristic that the enemy and spiritual attack is on your life because there's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of things happening. The crazy thing about the enemy is the scripture says that he's a thief. Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, how many you know a thief doesn't reveal his identity? Knock on the door in your neighborhood. Hey, um, see this badge? I'm a thief, and uh, I'm just here to check out your house, find out where the valuables are, going to let you know the ways that I'm going to operate. Same thing in your life. You know the old cartoon, the devil pops up on the shoulder. You're like, oh, look, it's the devil. Hey, what do you need, devil? And then he tries to, no, he doesn't do that. He, he conceals He hides the way that he does things. He's not going to show up in your life and say, hey, I'm going to bring great destruction and chaos and pain in your life. And I'm going to do it by allowing you to just be a a person who's fallen into such a lifestyle of negativity. So that negativity is going to rot you. You're not going to be thankful or grateful. Instead, you're going to be negative. And and you can't see him operating that way, but that's a way that he does it. Another way that he does it is isolation. He's not going to show up and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to get you to fall into isolation. You're going to get disconnected. Therefore, you're going to be separated from the herd and easy to take out. No, no. He's going to say little things like, hey, man, you do you. You're not a people person. You don't need community. Just go do your. You know what I'm talking about? We have to understand the ways that the enemy we're facing operates. Am I making sense today? That's why 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says it this way. And no wonder... For Satan himself masquerades, hides as an angel of light. I wrote it down this way. Not everything that looks good is good. Single people, not everything that looks good is good. 
is this thing that looks good pulling you away from church? Is this thing that looks good pulling you away from healthy relationships? Is this thing that looks good pulling you away from who you want to be? I've seen people get promotions for significant amount of money and six months later, family life ruined, church life ruined. It looked good on paper, but it was spiritual attack in their life. We have things, political words, things that sound good because not everything that looks good is good. We have political words where the enemy has, has taken these words, but he's putting spiritual attack in them to bring confusion. One of these words that we hear, it's a good thing. We should all be this way. You see a word like, uh, we use inclusive, like, oh, we should be inclusive. We should be inclusive. That's a really good thing. But you shouldn't be inclusive to the point that it contradicts what the Bible says. Amen, right? Affirming. Affirming is a great word. The church should be affirming. That's a very good thing. It's a good character, but not when it contradicts what the Bible says. Right. Women's right is an amazing thing. As a matter of fact, that's God's plan for women yeah. is for them to be supported and taken care of and encouraged. And so women's right is an amazing thing, but not when some of those things begin to contradict the Bible. Amen. So, so he hides in these things and he brings confusion. And so we got to be a people who can learn to expose these things. But the enemy is also determined. One of the things about him is he doesn't try once and then just go away. It's not like a college bracket where you beat them one time and they're out. He's determined. He pursues. First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind for your devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Verse nine, resist him. That's what you got to do. We all read the first part. Oh, the devil's out there and he's trying to get me. And you just are like, okay. No, it says resist him. The, the key to this is resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Charlie and I, he's my eight, almost eight-year-old son. He's been wanting to play football uh, in the basement all the time. He doesn't have a brother. So every time I'm home, he's like, he's like, Dad, let's play football. And so, you know, we move everything away. He's on that side of the, the basement. I'm on this side of the basement. He's like real serious about it. He, we went up to the sports store and he got like the face paint. So he like smears his black on his face. He's wearing all his jerseys. He's in, and Jess taught him some swear words. And so he's on the other side of the, <laughs> she did, yeah. And, uh, and so he's on the other side of the thing. And, and we're just, and he just loves going for it. But then sometimes, sometimes I'll be a little distracted. A game will be on the TV behind me or golf or like I'll get a text or something. And so instead of me standing firm and being ready, like I'm going to make you eat that ball, you know, like instead of, I'll just be like watching the thing and he'll be like, dad, dad, you're not trying. You're not trying. It's annoying. Come on, dad, try. And so he'll come over here and be like, give because he wants me to be standing firm and ready to get him. And it's a great picture of the way that the church is. Scripture's saying, hey, um, you got to try. <laughs> Scripture's saying, like, you, you got to stand firm, church. Yeah, that's good. That's right, yeah. The church oftentimes looks like the little t-ball kid who's out in the outfield chasing the butterfly, yeah. picking his nose. And the scripture's like, no, 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 you don't understand the spiritual attack that's over your life. You don't understand what you're having to face here. It's pretty important that you make sure you be a person who knows how to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. Are you with me today? I'll close with this. My last point is point four, which is we must depend on the strength of God. Yeah. Ephesians said it this way. It said, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, not our own power. 
Uh, I've shared this example with you before, and uh, they're actually here today. But I used to do CrossFit at CrossFit Holland, which Eli's over here and his wife, Natalie. They own the CrossFit gym in Holland. Special they're running today. Uh, if you go and sign up, you get three months free automatically. So go see him. I just made up that deal. And uh, yeah. <laughs> And so I used to do CrossFit. I would go there and do CrossFit. And then eventually Eli came to me one day and was like, hey, man, you, you did it all. You graduated. You don't got to come here anymore. It was super nice. He gave me like a trophy and they hung a banner of my face in the gym. And so I don't go there anymore for that reason. But um, the way CrossFit works is it's super fun. It's, uh, it's like a circuit training. And so each day it's a different kind of workout. You're either jumping on boxes or doing all these different things. And, um, and, and so one of them was this thing called muscle up. And it's, so it'd be kind of like grabbing like the end of a monkey bar or whatever. You'd jump up on this bar and do pull-ups. And of course, as a kid, you're like, I can do a thousand pull-ups all day long. But then once you pass 20, you can't do any more at all. <laughs> Nobody in this room can. And so uh, everybody's over here doing their muscle ups and in their own strength. And in that round, you're supposed to do as many as possible in your own strength until fail, which was like two for me, right? You know. And so uh, anyway, before I'm about to do it, Eli comes over to me sort of like this with one of these. I'm like, geez, like I know I heard it was intense, but I didn't know you were going to like beat me while I did this, you know. <laughs> but he takes this thing and he puts it up on the bar. He wraps it all up real tight. And he's like, hey, listen, he's like, you know, you're going to do as many as you can. He's like, but this, this is also going to help give you some strength. It's going to help get there. So like I could do as many as I could in my strength until fail. But when I stepped into some other strength, yeah, there was like a whole bunch more that I could do. Yeah, when I stepped into the strength of something a lot bigger and better and stronger, there was a whole lot further that I could go when I stepped into some other strength. Yeah. And that's what the scripture is saying is like, hey, if you want to try to do it on your own, that's why I didn't say, hey, be strong in yourself and do the best that you can. I was like, no, no, no. Be strong in the Lord. Like, take that assistance and support of him and get where you need to go. Uh, I thought about it like this. Most of the time, God says, be strong in scripture. He follows it up with a really key statement. He says, be strong in the Lord. Hey, be strong. Be do this. He says, be strong. But then he says this. He follows it up with, because God is with you. Am I telling you, hey, go out here and be strong against spiritual warfare. How, how can I do that? Well, because God is with you and you can do it in his strength. We always quote Joshua, like, oh, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid or dismayed. But the end of that scripture is why? Because God is with you and he's going to be your strength. Habakkuk 319, the, I'll just paraphrase it. It says that the sovereign Lord is my strength, is my strength. Not me. It's the Lord in me that is my strength. I wrote it down like this. Strength in the Lord isn't God giving you strength. Strength in the Lord is God becoming your strength. People say to me all the time, Pastor, I'm so tired. Like, I just, it's so hard. I just, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. It's like, well, you, you just got to stay in God and let him be your strength. So many people in this 10 years of the church, tragedies happen, hardships have happened. And I'm having personal conversations with Jess being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. I don't know how they're going to make that through. How are they ever going to make it through that tragedy and that kind of thing? And then after they get out onto the other side of it, their testimony is all the same. It's this, I never would have made it except for God. Like God in the strength of God. There's no mathematical earthly equation for how I ever got this through this thing other than the fact that I stepped in to the strength of God. Are you with me? Psalm 30 or Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
like my want to, my will, my, my, my life parts, like the thoughts of everything, that might fail. But my strength in God will never fail. David is on the run. The great King David, he's on the run and he's been anointed to be king. But, and he said all these things happen in his life. He's on the run. And the scripture says he's hiding out. He literally is on the run. They're, they're, they're attacking him. Scripture says he gets to a point where he's in great distress. And the scripture doesn't say that he sits down and writes up this great battle plan of all of his wisdom. Scripture doesn't say that he pulls together all his wealth and puts together all of this financial power. That's not what he does. Scripture doesn't say he, he networks really well and gets together all of the smart and, and high-level people that he knows. No, the scripture says in that moment when he was outnumbered and he was in great distress, he said that David strengthened himself in the Lord. Amen. He did this very thing of like, God, will you please come be my strength? That's why Paul said, in my weakness... When I'm under spiritual attack and all of this stuff, in my weakness, I boast. Why? Because when I'm weak, he is strong. He gets to be my strength. He gets to become my source. How are we ever going to be able to fight off spiritual attack and walk through this life the way God has called us to? We can do it when we find our our, our lives found in his strength. 2 Corinthians 10.4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, here it is again, in God, for the pulling down of strongholds. How are we going to see these strongholds pulled down? It's when the church finally says, that's not about me and programs and slick ideas and and all these kinds. It's when we say, God, every day I got to get up and I got to live and exist and stand and think and pray all of these things in your strength. So the scripture says, not by my, not by my hand, but by what? Your power. God's strength is how we'll do it. Amen? Amen. Church in the wild, spiritual warfare, but we're left with the one. So what does it boil down to? We're left with the author finisher, the one who's already overcome death, hell, and the grave. It's yeah. our, 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 our outcome is already, it's a little WWE. It's already been determined. Yeah. We just get to fight from victory, right? But we got to still fight. We still got to do the thing and God's empowering you to do it. You might be here today and say, Pastor, I'm under spiritual attack. Like I just got things going on. That, that chaos, that destruction, that pain, the confusion, maybe some of those things you're, that, I, that I described. Hey, I'm encouraging you to go down to our prayer room, down the hallway, past the coffee bar. We got a team back there that's just going to love to pray with you. It's just great people. They're not going to make you sign up for stuff or fill out all this crazy stuff. They just want to agree with you, pray with you, see you find freedom in those areas. So I encourage you to make your way down there. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. God, I thank you we're not left alone to do this. But God, we get to step into your power. God, I pray that you reveal to us so that we can expose the way that the enemy has tried to attack. Lord, I thank you that you're moving and working on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen.